Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Either your way or my way, but only one way leads to victory. The Lord says, fight with the tools that I have given, with the direction that I have given. Use my methods, and you will achieve my results, says the Lord. There will be a change. There will be transformation, restoration. There will be revival. All those things that is being fought over you, over your house, and over this house, says the Lord. It can be achieved, but it must be done my way. I hear the Lord say, that light still shines in darkness. And that darkness still cannot comprehend that light. For the light that shone in the beginning shines here today. And it shines in and through my children. And I say to you that the light is shining as bright as it ever has. I say to you that light has not dimmed. The light has not toned down. The light has not been hidden at all. But the light that I shined in the beginning of time, it is still shining in and through my people. And the darkness has never been able to comprehend it. And I say to you that the darkness will not begin to comprehend it. And the darkness will never begin to comprehend it. The darkness will never begin to cover my light. For my light will always outshine the darkness. And wherever my light is, darkness runs and hides. For my light passes away darkness. I don't know about you guys, but when I see mom and dad getting fired up, I get fired up. I get fired up, and when I see dad sick and dad fighting, I get fired up, man, and I'm ready to fight. We've been fighting, but I'm, I'm more ready to fight now than I've been, and um, I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about the spoils that God's going to give. I'm excited about where God's going to take this church, because I, if I know God, I know that he's not going to leave us here after we come through this thing. I'm excited about what he's going to do. I want to take you to Habakkuk this morning. Habakkuk. It's buried in your Old Testament. It's before Zephaniah, I think. Megan, is that right? It's before Zephaniah. Yeah, she thinks so. Habakkuk 2. Sorry, I caught her off guard. She's going to kill me. Habakkuk 2. We're going to start in Habakkuk 2, and then we're going to have to back up. Habakkuk's one big, long story. So we've got to to read all three chapters this morning. It's like 60 verses. You're good. I'm just kidding. We're not going to read all 60. Habakkuk 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. One more time. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. This morning the word the Lord has given me is acquainted with glory. Acquainted with glory. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would do what you do. Make Jesus famous. Make Jesus real to us today. Bring this word to life. Let it jump off the page. Let it speak to us. Let it teach us. Let it instruct us. Let it show us what you would have us to see. Let it be good seed on good ground. Let it produce good fruit. And let, us, let it take us deeper into the kingdom 
so that we might be who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. So Habakkuk is one big long story. It's hard to break up and it's hard to... So we've got to kind of go back to the beginning and set the stage a little bit. In Habakkuk 1, we begin, and, and we're going to have to go through some verses to set the stage, so bear with me for a minute. In Habakkuk 1, verse 1, we begin, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Those are some strong words for the Lord. Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So Habakkuk is a prophet in Israel. This is right before Babylon comes in to take over Israel. And Habakkuk is looking out at Israel in Judah and he says there is perversion of your law everywhere. There is violence and destruction everywhere. There is havoc and there is spoiling and there is ruin everywhere. There is wrong and there is cruelty everywhere. In other words, the scene is real jacked up. It's not looking like it's supposed to look. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to feel. We're not where we're supposed to be, God. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be your people. We're supposed to be the ones that you brought out of Egypt. We're supposed to be thriving. We're supposed to be succeeding. We're supposed to be wealthy. We're supposed to be blessed and prosperous. And yet everywhere we look, people are taking advantage of your laws. There's poor. There's needy. There's people that are being broken and beaten down. There's people that are really high up taking advantage of those who are really far down. And the whole situation is jacked up. God, what is going on? We're supposed to be your people. Haven't you called us? Haven't you ordained us? Haven't you said we've got somewhere to be? God, don't you remember all the prophecies you've spoken over us? Don't you remember all the words that you gave us? Don't you remember all the things that you told us we were going to be? How we were going to be blessed above all nations? How that through us, every nation was going to be blessed. How that we were going to be more prosperous than the sand on the shore or the stars in the heavens. Don't you remember, God, about all that you've spoken over us and yet everywhere I look, everything I see says you lied and you were wrong. Haven't we been there? Haven't we been there? Or maybe I guess I'm the only one. All right, I've been there. I'll preach to me. I've been there. I've set with words over my life and said, God, you've said I'm supposed to be such and such, but everything around me says that that was a lie. You've said that I'm supposed to go so-and-so with so-and-so or to go here or there, but God, I'm not moving. God, the circumstances around me tell me that what you said does not line up with what you said. What you spoke does not look like what I'm living in. What you've declared is not coming to fruition. And yet God says, chill out. The prophet said, there is ruin and havoc and destruction everywhere everywhere around me. And God said, I know, and that's exactly the way I want it. Verse 5 and 6. God says, this is God's answer. To everything's messed up, this is God's answer. Look among the nations. See Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Too bad Babylon's on the other side of it. For I am raising up the Chaldeans. 
We love that verse. We forget that the Chaldeans are on the other side of that verse. I'm doing a work in your days and you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I'm bringing Babylon in. What? I thought you were delivering us. I thought you were breaking us out. I thought you were going to set us free. I thought you were going to make a way. Can't you part the sea again? Can't you bring down manna from heaven again? Can't you split a rock again? Can't you do something incredible again, like a wonder or, or something astonishing? And God said, yeah, I'll do something astonishing. Here come the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings that are not their own. This is God's answer to everything is messed up. I'm going to do something wonder that causes you to wonder and be astonished and amazed. I'm going to bring in another nation. In fact, the word that God uses here, wonder and astounded, it's the same word back to back. God was so proud of himself, he used the same word twice. He said, I'm going to wonder and wonder you. I'm going to amaze and amaze you. In fact, dumbfounded is really what it means. I'm going to dumbfound and dumbfound you by bringing in a nation that you do not know. Why? Because God is setting up a circumstance in order to usher in what he wants to bring in, which is his glory. God is setting the Israelites up to bring in his glory. God is always working to set up a circumstance to bring in his glory. The prophet says everything looks awful. Everything looks terrible. God, it doesn't feel like we ought to be like we ought to be. God, we've been praying for the apostle for four years. And the Lord says, I know. But guess what? I'm setting up a circumstance where I can usher in my glory. I'm setting up a circumstance where my glory is going to be on display. And it's going to be on such display that the knowledge of the glory will fill the earth. So much so that it will be as comparison to the water that covers the seas. This is how I'm setting it up. It doesn't look like it ought to look. It may not feel like it ought to feel. It may not sound like it ought to sound. But this is what I'm doing. I'm setting it up. God is setting it up. I can look back over my life. Over the words that God has spoken. The times that I said, God, you missed it. You missed it. Or somebody missed it and they caused you to miss it. And every time it turned out for God's glory. Every time it turned out for God's glory to be ushered in. Because that's what he does. He will never allow himself to not be glorified. He will never allow himself to not be glorified. His plan and his purpose is always to be glorified. And here he says, I'm setting it up again to be glorified. The prophet doesn't like God's answer. So he starts to complain. Which is what I would do if he told me a nation was coming in to take over. So the prophet starts to complain and he says, why in the world would you bring in another nation? And he begins to, God explains actually how mighty the Babylonians are. He explains how glorious the Babylonians are and how much they're going to crush Judah. And how hard it could be for Judah. So Habakkuk in chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, he says, I'll take my stand on the watch post and station myself on the tower. And I'll look out to see what God will say to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. Because Habakkuk says, well, well, just let me deal with Judah. Because they're, they're not as bad as having the Babylonians come in. Verse 2, he says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so he who reads it, so he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. 
It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. There's an appointed time and an appointed place, God says, for the vision. Habakkuk says, Lord, I'm going to stand here until you answer me. And God says, fine, I'm going to give you the game plan. I'm going to let you in on my secret as the mouthpiece for Israel. As the mouthpiece for my people, I'm going to let you in on the secret. Here's the game plan. And it's so secret and it's so important, I want you to write it down. Because there's going to come a day when you forget about it. And there's going to come a day where you don't feel like following it. And there's going to come a day where it feels like, God, that plan doesn't work anymore. But God says, this is how important it is. Write it down. Write it down, and after you write it down, run with it. Write it down and run with it. Don't walk with it. Don't think about walking with it. Don't think about running with it. Pick it up and run with it. Because my plan is a good plan. My plan is a prosperous plan. My plan is for your good and my glory always. And my plan will always come to pass. And if it seems slow, good. Wait on it. And if it still seems slow, fine. Wait on it again. Because there is an appointed time. And there is an appointed place, an appointed season. The word for appointed time means sacred season. There's a sacred season that he's set apart. A sacred, holy season that he's set apart for the hours in our lives. For the moments in our lives where he set us up for destiny. Where he's spoken things over us, maybe we're his children or in our younger, our younger days. And we thought, there's no way that can come to pass. God, how could that ever be? And he said, there's a sacred time waiting on you. There's a sacred moment waiting on you. And you may not see it, but write it down and run with it. Run until you get there. Run until you find it. Run until you see it. Run until you see it. Because you may not see it until you start running. You may not see it until you start running. The hard part, our, maybe I should say this, our tendency is to say, I'll start running after I start seeing it. And God said, that's not how it works. Run until you see it. you got to run until you start seeing it. And after you run, then you'll come up to the sacred season. Finally, God says, here's the plan. And He begins to detail some of the sins of the Chaldeans. And he gets to verse 14 and he gives Habakkuk this nice little summary verse. He goes through some of the specific sins, some of the things that they've been doing to their people. And some of the specific ways he was going to pay them back. He says, I'm not going to let their injustice go unpaid for. I'm going to repay them for some of their sins. And then verse 14, God says, if you really want to know the game plan, here's the game plan. Write this down. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. It's going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. The word knowledge here is an experiential knowledge. This is not a knowing of. This is not a a head knowledge. This is not a book knowledge. God said, I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. And it's going to be the type of filling where people experience my glory. Where people are acquainted with my glory. Not an acquaintance. Not they know of it because that's so-and-so's sister-in-law from down the line. And acquainted with, they're familiar with, they have a relationship with my glory. Because this is the game plan. Write it down and run with it. 
When it all hell is breaking loose, write this down. Here's the game plan. My glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the seas. And you will not just know about it. You will know it and experience it and be acquainted with it. Because this has always been the purpose. From the beginning of creation, the purpose has been to be acquainted with the glory of the King of glory. He is the King of glory. He lords over glory. He rules over glory. Do we get what that means? He is the ruler of glory. All glory is under His submission and under His authority. What is His glory? It is the manifestation of His presence. Any aspect of His beauty, one preacher said, it is when He shows up in the room. That means whatever I need, when He shows up, it is a manifestation of Him. Sometimes we get... Okay, he said it. Sometimes we get freaked out. The conservative nature in us gets freaked out. We start talking about the glory and God manifesting himself in the place. And we don't want to mess around with words like manifest because I don't want to get too caught up in the emotion of it. And I don't want to get too caught up in the, in the hype of it. And I get that. And all that's real. But let me tell you, when God walks in the room, it's about him. And it's not about... It's not about a manifestation, it's about an interaction. It's not about, can I shake and rattle and roll, and if you do, praise God. But it's about, can I meet with the king face to face? Because 2 Corinthians 3 says that in his glory, as I behold his glory, it changes me from glory to glory. It's not about, can I, can I fall out on the floor? But if I do, I'm not going to be upset about it. But it's about meeting Him because in meeting Him, I'm changed. I'm transformed. I'm moved from where I'm at to where He needs me to be. In His glory, I'm changed like I cannot be anywhere else. The book is meant to take me to Him. The book is meant to take me to Him. If the book just tells me about Him, I'm no better than the theologians at Harvard or Yale who know all about Him but have never experienced Him. I've got to go to Him from there. Jesus said in John 5, you go to the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but you refuse to come to Me. They testify of Me. And in Me is eternal life. It is meant to take us to Him because in His glory we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And in the glory, stuff falls off of Me that wouldn't fall off outside of the glory. Stuff gets in me that wouldn't get in me outside of the glory. I become things in the glory that I wouldn't become outside of the glory. I do think, hey, there's the glory now. Praise God. I do things in the glory that I couldn't do outside of the glory. And then I take it with me outside of the glory. 2 Corinthians 4 says that the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus. So the glory of God takes us to the face of Jesus. It's not about hyping up the manifestations and it's not about being just excited about about feeling vibrations. It's about meeting with the King of glory. It's about meeting with the only one who is able to take me from where I'm at to where I need to be. Because His purpose is to move me out of where I'm at into where He needs me to be. Because in the glory I have to change. 
In the glory, I have to shift. In the glory, I have to move. In the glory, I cannot stay the same. It's not enough to know about Him. It's not enough for somebody else that I know to know Him. I've got to be acquainted with Him. Acquainted with His glory and His presence. I can know all of this book that I want. And if I don't come into an interaction with Him, I've missed the point of this walk. Because it will never change me. It will just inform me. It's about an interaction. But why does He want the whole earth filled with His glory? Well, because Romans 8 says He wants to redeem the whole planet. And in fact, Romans 8 says the whole planet cries and groans for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Not for the revealing of the Son of Man, for the sons and daughters of God. Because it is glorified sons and daughters of God. Nobody freak out. Glorified sons and daughters of God that change the world around them. Romans 8 also says that, I'm going to mess it up. Whom He predestined, He called. Whom He called, He justified. Whom He justified, He glorified. It is glorified sons and daughters of God that change the world around them. But it only happens when they are acquainted with the glory. Only in the glory can you go from glory to glory. Can you be changed to be like Him? This book won't make me like Him if I don't encounter Him. Prayer won't make me like Him if I don't encounter Him. Talking to Him won't make me like Him if I don't encounter Him. I've got to get in the glory. I've got to get in the glory. Go with me to John 17 real quick. I'm almost done. John 17, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Apostolic prayer that he leaves his followers with. He's on his way to the cross. These are some of the last words that Jesus leaves his followers with. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only. But for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. This wrecks me. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you have sent me. And loved even as you have loved me. The word forgiven here that Jesus used. He uses the word forgiven. He says you have given me and I have given them. It is to entrust and to commit. He has entrusted us with a measure of His glory. He has committed to us a measure of His glory. The same amount of entrustment, the same, let me get this right, the same way that the Father entrusted and committed glory to Jesus, earlier in this chapter Jesus would say, glorify me with the glory that you gave me in the beginning, that I had in the beginning. 
The same way that the Father entrusted glory to Jesus, Jesus has entrusted glory to His sons and daughters. To His people. Why? Because the earth is groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. Because Winchester, Mount Sterling, Lexington is groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. Because Toyota and Gray Construction are, revealing, are groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. Because Walmart, bless God, Walmart is, Walmart is groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. It is groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. Glory is not contained to the four walls of the church. It's not contained to where the first row ends and the altar begins. It is not contained to when the apostle gets a hold of the vial of oil and gets over to where you're at and gets his hands on you. Glory is contained in the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it's not just so you can be kind and polite and friendly, but you better be that too. It is so that we can make the people of the world around us acquainted with the glory of the Lord. So that we can make them acquainted. Jesus says so that they might know that you sent me. Gnosko, experience. The word for know there is gnosko. It's to experience, to know by experience. Our job is to make the people around us know by experience that the Father has sent Jesus. By carrying His glory. He has given us glory for the purpose of making the people around us understand by experience that He has been sent by the Father. It's not just about kind words. Those are awesome. But I've met some evil people who say kind words. I'm just being real. Just being real. And that's awesome for them being kind. Because if they're going to be evil, they should be kind too. People of God ought to be kind too. But we ought to carry more than just the fruit of the Spirit. We ought to carry the glory that He has entrusted to us. That He has committed to us. I don't want to get to the other side someday. And have to, have to deal with questions about. Well, yeah, you were kind, but I mean, nothing else? Kind, nothing else? If I have been entrusted with glory, then I want to carry glory. I heard one, <laughs> I heard, I heard one preacher say, I'm just trying to figure out how much glory I can walk around with. I'm just trying to figure out how much glory I can walk around with. That's not a puffed up statement. According to Jesus, that tells a lot of people about who he is. I'm trying to figure out how much glory I can walk around with. Because the more glory I walk around with, they're going to know for sure it's not Brandon. They're going to know for sure it's not me. And they're going to know it has to be something otherworldly. And they're going to ask me about it. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.